Faith-Focused Mom podcast. I am your host, Jennifer, and I am the Faith-Focused Mom who will be hosting this podcast. I think you should know what this podcast is, you know, all about given the title, but I shall try to break it down a bit further. This podcast episode is going to be an introductory episode and the podcast is going to be a labor of love, an arrow in my quiver of intention, and a place where I discuss how my faith has kept me from drowning in a world that is designed to drown us. So you can find out all the places you can listen to the show, get the show notes, and contact the show at faithfocusmom.com. Today's date is November 28th, 2022, and let's dive into who I am so I can kind of give you an idea of where this podcast will be going, and why I will be talking about what I will be talking about, and why I feel the way I do about the things I talk about. Let's go! Alright, so I should tell you right up off the bat that I am just getting over a case of the COVID. I'll say it like that because, you know, algorithms and such. They don't like us talking about it, but everybody's had it like five times, right? So, um, yeah, so I feel like I'm like, I'm in the long COVID area. So if I sound a little under the weather, I'm sorry. That's a, that's where I'm at right now in my journey. So, but I'm feeling a lot better now. It's been about three weeks, so I, I'm sure you know right where I'm at, what I'm dealing with, because everybody I've talked to has had it. So with that, with that said, I am Jennifer, and here's my list of labels so you can paint a picture of where I'm coming from in your mind, because that's how us humans are wired, all right? So I'm a mom of two, of a nine-year-old and an eight-year-old, and I've been married to my best friend for over 11 years, but I've actually known my husband for 25 years since he was 16 and I'm 18. I'm not technically robbing the cradle. I'm only two years older. We have been co-workers and friends and husband and wife over that 25-year spam. I homeschool my kids and I also stay at home and take care of my family now. I um, had a um, a really good job and when I had my first daughter um, my first child she was my daughter and I tried to do the home work mom life and it, and it kind of worked and then when I had my son four hours of sleep a night wasn't cutting it and I did it for six months and I was like nope I would rather be poor and happy than have two incomes and never see each other never be around my family and probably end up divorced and miserable right because that's how it felt I never saw my husband and I was always taking because we worked we were like passing ships you know I was working third And he was working second, so we never saw each other. And I just knew internally that wasn't gonna fly. So um, it was the best decision that we made, 100%. I stand by that. And I do homeschool my kids, and we go to a partnership where they also have a brick and mortar school they go to, and they do extracurricular classes, like robotics and archery and horseback riding and all that stuff, because homeschool has come a long way from the like 80s, where everybody's like, Oh, you homeschool your children. You know they need socialization. You know, it's and I still hear that. And it's 2022. So I'm like, good lord, can you can you um 
let's uh let's bring yourself up to speed a little bit you know homeschooling has come a long way so um i was raised in a methodist church um ever since i was about five and um I was not raised by practicing Christian family. Like my dad never attended church. And now growing up and knowing what I know about my parents and where, you know, where I've been and seeing them with adult eyes, I realized that my mom would just seemingly go to church, but literally never teach us anything about God or the Bible growing up. Um, I think she just used it for like a social thing. And like I said, my dad never attended. So I think it was just more of a place for my mom to go and to vent and to um, showboat. I'll get into all this later on and why I say what I say. So I also grew up in the 80s and the 90s. I spent my teen years not really living a very wild life because my mom, without you know being a real Christian, type person in the home, I did pick up some more moral, you know, lessons, uh, going to Sunday school and then also, um, begging to go to youth group. So I did do that. So I was not really a wild kid, but I did like to test my boundaries with a little bit of a rebellion. And I always seemed to do, um, just a bare minimum, but also feeling like I was rebelling. So I never really got into much trouble in my teen years and into high school. But um, I did, around 19, get sucked into the New Age movement, and that actually lasted around into my mid-20s. I would frequent, like, New Age shops. I would dabble with um, and use tarot cards and crystals and angel cards and angel boards and um, sage everything. And like, oh, sage can... You know, clear everything. Um, all that stuff. I didn't know any, you know, I was just, I, I was listening to this lady named Doreen Virtue, which is an interesting story about her in a little bit. But, um, you know, and she was like, oh, we all have angels we can talk to. And I don't think, I know we have angels and I know that there are angels and I know that, you know, a third of the angels got booted out of heaven when Satan got booted out of heaven. And I know that they are now demons, <laughs> you know, I know all that. But I didn't know that back then because nobody told me. Nobody told me, said, hey, hey, chick, what are you doing? <laughs> Talking to demons, you know what I mean? But even that is controversial. Everybody's like, no, you're not. Yes, you are. I don't care. I'm just going off of my own experiences and what the Lord reveals to me. So my personal experience, that's what this podcast says. So it might not be yours, but it's mine. So, you know, I got into that. I never focused on what would seem like the dark version of like new age where I, you know, I, I felt it was more of a positive and light side, but I think we've all known now if you're, um, if you don't know the, you know, Satan was actually an angel of light. And many say that he was actually in charge of the music sector in heaven. And um, so I think a lot of New Age stuff can be masked in a nicely decorated package of light and love. But it's not really that. Okay. <laughs> so, um, and I know it's not really that because I'm going to tell you a lot of freaky stuff happened to me. When I was dabbling with that, I started having... Um, I would go to my sister's house for a visit and her bed, the bed we were in would shake, shake, um, lights would go on and off. Um, 
dead mice would just appear on stairs that I already had walked and turned around, like literally walk down and then grab something and turn around and there's this dead, decaying, dead body in the stairs. Where would it come from? I don't know. And um, like lights. I know I turned the light off and I turned around, light would be back on. Weird stuff like that. And it all happened when I was doing these things. Um, and, it was, and the things I was doing wasn't even quote bad or creepy or dark by any means and a lot of people go oh well it's your intent well I my intent didn't stop it because I wasn't intending anything bad okay so it was just attracting it to you and a lot of people say well it is an open it, it's you're opening a doorway and and you are I believe it I experienced it it happened so but I was I was listening to a lady called Doreen Virtue, and she always talked about talking to the angels, and she was always so soft-spoken and very la-la-la, and, you know, and didn't seem like anything harmful. But I learned after I was saved that this lady also became saved. She felt so convicted after Christians would try to gently tell her, Doreen, you're not talking to angels, honey. You're talking to something else. And she'd be like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. So they would show her in the Bible where it says she was. And she was like, wow. And God convicted her. Boom, right there. So now she devotes her whole time on trying to unwire the wiring that the enemy had done. And that is a beautiful thing. Because no matter where you are in life, no matter how deep your trench seems, you are never out of reach. Of our Lord he loves you so much and there's nothing that will keep him away from you not a thing nothing and and she feels so convicted and so upset she has a YouTube channel where she has a lot of amazing interviews she um, had to share her testimony she I believe started going to seminary school and you know she has just done a 180 and is trying to reach the people that she feels like she led down a dark path so, because she knows, you know, back pre, like, where a lot of ebooks and stuff like that, a lot of her books that she would write, obviously, are all physical copies, and you can't just go and delete those. They're still out there in circulation. They're at, you know, bookstores book are still selling stuff of hers, you know, and it really irritates her. So, she's working through that. So, once I stopped doing and dabbling and, and, partaking in all of that around my mid-20s, everything else stopped. I would say it might have something to do with just me not feeling like I was being fed by it. Because I think a lot of the things that we go through in life, we're, our flesh is always searching for, for something that we just can't put a name on. And that's because we literally have that God-shaped hole in our heart. So when we're walking around in our flesh, we're like, oh, I want this. I want this car. I want this book. I want this video game. I want this jewelry. I want this hairdo. I want this jacket. I want these shoes. I want this notoriety. And you know, you get it and it doesn't fulfill you. And then you, that's where people get stuck in this thirst cycle. Constant, constant, constant thirst. You're in your flesh. You need to be coming from a place of your spirit. So, I did not know any of that. So, I must have moved on from that because I just stopped messing around with it at all. So, um, 
I struggled. Well, all right, so I will tell you, once, as I got older into my early 30s, I had my children, and in my late 30s, my dad died on Christmas night unexpectedly. And I did not process my emotions. I did not know how to process these emotions, this grief. And just, okay, one minute you're talking to your dad, you're telling him about going to see Christmas lights with your kids, and you say, okay, I'm gonna, we gotta, I gotta let you go, going in the house, and I gotta carry the car seats in, and okay, I love you, talk to you later, and then get a call from your mom that she had to call the emergency, um, via, you know, the, call the 911, and that your dad was, she believed to be our had already passed. He was on a stretcher when I got there. So that's another story for another day. But at that time, I did not have the cognitive function as a stay at home mom. Well, no, technically I was still working, to be honest. Um, I, no, I had just finished working. So I had left my job. Um, but my place of employment still was so kind. They sent me flowers and everything, and that really touched me because I didn't really grow up in a world where people like did nice things or like nice to you just because they were nice to you. So that was like really, it really touched me that they did that. And but as I went through this process, um, I did not know how to process my grief. And being that you're a mom and a wife, you really are so busy taking care of everybody else that you really don't, one, have anybody around to take care of you when you need it because your husband's at work and your kids are like tiny little toddlers and they're not therapists, you know? So um, it was really hard and I didn't have a relationship with God. I didn't have a great foundation and I didn't know who to go to. So guess what I did? I went to boxed wine, you know, the enemy was like, here, let me help you. And I was like, oh, thank you. And what happened was, you know, it, I became addicted to wine and I started buying it by the box and I would just drink a box of wine within a week or less. And, and then I noticed that I started to get like severe anxiety if I felt like my box of wine was going away. I was using it as a crutch. I was self-medicating myself with alcohol. I needed more and I needed more and I needed more wine to help me numb my grief and my sadness and my depression that I acquired more and more and more of it. And I never had that healing moment after losing my father. And it actually had gotten so bad that I would be on the verge of alcohol poisoning and I would call my husband who was at work to come home because I was afraid that I had actually drank too much and I felt like I had poison myself and I didn't want to die with my kids sleeping in my home. It got that bad. And then I prayed to God one night and I was in a very, very dark place and I asked him to save me because I felt like I was slipping away and I promised him that I would never drink again. And then a couple weeks later I drank again. But then I struggled to stay away from wine at night while my I drank less but I didn't stop like I promised God that I would stop. 
and I got so bad the the skin over my liver started to itch and bruise and I couldn't stop drinking and then I started you know continuing to suffer from depression continued to suffer from anxiety and then one day I started to seek a closer relationship with God I scoured the internet for Bible studies I was thirsty my soul was thirsty everything about me was thirsty for something that I didn't have a name for but I knew instinctually I needed God in my life and I scoured the internet for Bible studies and I found two that I could just sign up for and I, w I remember just getting a glass of wine and my laptop and searching for Bible studies and I found one from like the Kenneth Copeland Ministries and um, another one from a place called Amazing Facts and I was just happy to find something and I was so excited um, I put in my information and I expected like a delivery well, seven months went by and I literally heard nothing, nothing, nothing came in the mail, never got an email, never got anything. And I was so thirsty for information. But through that seven months, I didn't just like sit around and twiddle my thumbs and get worse. I actually um, went to a store called Ollie's and I remember buying a book called the red letters and it had like everything that jesus said in the bible like all in its own book and i i, I flipping i flipping love those books i love them so those books if you didn't know that there are all different kinds out there from different um, authors and stuff and sometimes they turn them into a devotional but um, I really love Bibles that have yeah, obviously all of Jesus words in red and I love those books that just have like a devotion with his his quotes like things that he literally said in, in the Bible I love those books so I was so excited I started diving into those books and using it in correspondence with my Bible that I had had always had just apparently didn't use very much of and because I always felt intimidated by the Bible I always felt intimidated I didn't understand it I would always have an excuse when you when I would try to read it it was the token I get distracted I get interrupted and I didn't know to pray over my Bible to open the words up to me I did not know any of this nobody had ever guided me or taught me anything so one day a man showed up with a folder at my house and he my husband was outside working in the yard and he had walked up on my husband and asked if he had signed up for some Bible studies and my husband admittedly was annoyed already as he was like cleaning up dog do in our yard so he was like not in the best mental place <laughs> so he he was like um nope and then the man said well maybe your wife did and then my husband was like oh yeah probably so the man dropped off the bible studies and i did every single one and he would drop one off on like a tuesday and then i would work on it through the week and he would pick it up but i was still very kind of like not a people person because i don't really trust people and i didn't know like if, is this person going to try to like push themselves into my home and try to you know control my experience with God I wanted to, it to just be me and God and not some rando that I didn't really know <laughs> so I'm not an easy to trust person um, so and, and bless his heart he 
must have also understood this because he never tried to push in. And then we started like having a correspondence, like leaving little post-it notes and like, hey, you know, got to know each other through post-it notes. And it was perfect. And it was just what I needed at that time. So I did like a crash course. I did Bible study after Bible study after Bible study. Anything they could bring me. I was like, eating it up, eating it up. I could not could not. Now I'm going to cry because the Holy Spirit does this to me every time I talk about God. All right. So I could not get enough at all. Could not get enough. So, so that was, I mean, it was amazing. It, it, it was amazing. So if you've, if you've had this moment in your life, you know exactly where I'm coming from. I'm not crying because I'm sad. I'm crying because I'm happy. So, um, so I loved it. I, I started doing every single one of these Bible studies. I went all the way through. I finished like all 30 some of them. And then I went and did another row. I did like 60 of them. And then once, so that was in like the beginning of 2018. So I started going to, um, it actually was from um, a Seventh-day Adventist church in the area. And I didn't know what anything really about Seventh-day Adventist Church other than my mom's best friend in like kindergarten that she still had contact with was Seventh-day Adventist and her daughters were Seventh-day Adventist and we went to a couple camps like when we were younger with them and all I knew was that you could not wear makeup, could not wear jewelry, like everything was a bunch of can'ts, you know, and it was like you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't eat this and you can't wear this and you can't listen to this and you can't watch this and I just remember being like, wow, this is really weird, this is this is okay. I guess this is what you do. All right. But this is not what I do. So when I started going to Seventh-day Adventist church, I really love the Bible studies, but, um, we went there for about two and a half, almost three years. And when we started going to the church, it was like in April of 2018. And then we ended up, um, after we were doing all of our Bible studies and then we did like a whole, um, like three months of additional Bible studies with the pastor because we were wanting to be baptized. So we ended up getting baptized in October of 2018. And once I was baptized, it was honestly like the Lord flipped a switch in me. I no longer craved alcohol. I no longer cussed like a sailor when I was mad or stubbed my toe or whatever. I no longer felt the need to get even with those who had done me horribly wrong in the past. Like you just always had like that. You carried that like little nudge, you know, and then like that little grudge against them. You know, and then now I'm like, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, you know? So I no longer felt depressed. I no longer felt anxiety. I felt like a new person and I still feel like this beautiful peace and I still feel this way. And it is that, that peace that does surpass all understanding. And this crazy time, this crazy world that we're living in, all these things are up in the air and it feels like we're watching a crazy movie and um you know what i don't care it, it is what it is because i know the lord is at those the helm the lord is steering it his will will be done here on earth as it is in heaven and that brings me peace that brings me peace i don't have to worry i don't have to feel like i gotta control everything and everyone i don't have to go and micromanage every area of my life i communicate it with the lord i talk with him every day i tell him what's bothering me tell him if i have any worries he takes it he takes it away you know so there is definitely a change of heart that takes place when you just hand it all over to the lord and you give your life to the lord so um, my family and I attended the church for almost three years, like I was saying. Um, but then, ba-boom! The Cerveza 
virus hit and they stopped doing services completely and they started doing some video services like later on um, and a lot of churches across the country and the world did this and at that time uh, before that the virus hit my husband had already come to me and kind of expressed his concern for the direction that the church was going and the amount of legalism we were learning about and we are starting to see where the church the fruit was not really visible you know there was a lot of action but not a lot of fruit there was a lot of box checking off but not a lot of fruit there was a lot and we didn't know what legalism was until we were like in a in an ocean of it where it was it it got really interesting I'll say like I didn't know that um, mustard was frowned upon <laughs> like they no get pepper on your food like there was a lot of strictness in this church and um, that's that's fine if you are Seventh-day Adventist and that is where the Lord has led you and that is where you're being fed then that is that but that is not what we had. <laughs> the Lord was like, okay guys, I put you in here. And it was so interesting because my husband came to me and was like, listen, I'm not really, I feel like I'm being led away from here. I feel like this, this virus shutting everything down is, is a nice time for us to make our transition to a new church home. I was like, what? I feel the same way. Are you serious? And it was like the, the Lord just had it heavy on our hearts that we were brought to this church because they do a thing really good. And that is they are deep into scripture. Like they are deep, right? They have every, they're so kind and they love to just eat, 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 eat. But we weren't really seeing the fruit at that particular building. I'll say that because you can't really broad brush an entire denomination of people for one specific place you know it's just not that you can't broad brush anything in life that's lazy and it is awful to do to people to places and things it's just awful so I will not broad brush do that that was my particular experience in that particular building that that was going on so we left and we were so grateful and thankful but we knew our time had come and when they opened up and everything went back to business you know, we just told them, you know, we're just going to go in a different direction. We're going to try something, you know, in a, in a little different. And they were kind and they never came and pushed and all that stuff. So then we started to, um, when everything opened up in 2021, we started to attend a small Methodist church. And, but even then we arrive, everybody's so awesome. I love it. It's this little country, little church. Love the vibe. I feels like the, you just feel the love there, right? But even then, they're going in a different, like, they're Methodist right now, but the whole United Methodist as a whole is, like, already um, experiencing their own dilemma, where they're, like, going to be branching off, and churches are going to be breaking off, and then they're going to either um, just go non-denominational or be absorbed into a new denomination, and or they're going to go into a different branch of like Wesleyan like there's a lot of stuff a lot of wheels at play a lot of stuff a lot of religion things being handled a lot of men human created systems and layers and layers and layers to sift through and we just my husband comes to me again he's like wow I just feel like there's like like we're just meant to just be patient right now 
right? We, we are so anxious to get, 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 get back in, fellowship, find a place, find a home. We feel like the Lord's just like, settle down right now. There's a shaking taking place. There's just like, we are being called to be just like patient. Like there is a shaking. There's something going on that we just feel in our core where, where there's going to be lines being drawn. That's just, I'm just speaking from my own place in this world. And I just, and I feel that he came to me. He felt that exactly the same way. So, you know, we still go when we can go. Um, but he works third shift too. And that makes it really hard to drive. Cause it's not like super close to our house. It's, it's a drive. And, um, but it's worth a drive when we can do it. And also when we're not sick, every time we turn around because when your kids get back into school, one person gets sick and like, it takes like a whole month for everybody to like, it runs through all the family members. And then you get to come out of your hole and see the sunshine again. We're like living groundhog day lately. Everybody just gets sick over and over and over again. So, um, yeah, I, right now our church, when we can't get to church, as in our cozy home as a family and um, because we're waiting right now our church is going to be taking a vote we don't know direction what was going we don't know anything so right now we are doing more home studies and listening to sermons as a family in the coziness of our living room we um, take notes we my I got my husband this awesome Bible he loves um, it gave him more direction to read the Bible in a year he's always wanted to read well we both have read the Bible in a year you know and then you get started and we have these little charts and stuff and it's hard but I found I had bought a while ago um, a Charles Stanley uh, read the Bible in a year Bible and I said hey why don't you try this one and he was like oh okay and um, so he has been just eating that up it made it so much more because sometimes you need some direction not everybody's good at just being a self-starter sometimes you need that carrot or sometimes you need things like nice and organized and and um, just easy to pick up and and to keep you nice and accountable and that has really worked well for him and um, one of our favorite pastors that we love to listen to is Chuck Swindoll. Love listening to him. He's a really wise man and he's a funny. And when you can teach people about God and also make them have a genuine, relatable laugh with you, it is a beautiful thing. So I really enjoy listening to him, but we love listening to sermons all the time. So if you ever have a sermon and you want to share it with me, I will um, gobble it up. So um, I also wanted to say, I have this in my show notes, um, it can be really hard as you're going and as we're growing as Christians, because nobody is ever done growing in their Christian walk. You're never done walking, right? And there will be people out there with huge egos and they think they got everything figured out. They got all the answers and all the wrinkles ironed out. And that's the ego. That's the flesh. That's like this weird part of humans where we are constantly in competition, if not with others, with ourselves, right? And then the reality at the end of the day is you don't know everything and you never will because you're not God. You're not omnipotent. So it can be hard as a Christian trying to weigh all these things, wondering if you're doing this right, if you're doing that right, if you're in the right denomination, if, if you're in the right, um, doing the right thing, if you're celebrating Sabbath on the right day, if you're eating the right foods, if you're dressing the right way, um, you know, we should be asking more personal questions. Is our actions glorifying God? Are our words glorifying God? 
are we um, interpreting scripture by cherry picking or are we really trying to honestly dive in um oh how what how many denominations are there going to be now you know we just keep branching off and branching off and branching off and then all the differences between denominations actually used to just make my head spin when i was a, a baby christian and you just want to go you know it's the tribalism of the flesh often takes over and just screams so loud that the holy spirit you know louder than the holy spirit and because the holy spirit's not gonna yell it's not gonna yell right it's not gonna yell at you and compete with your flesh it's gonna wait for you to stop listening to the flesh it's gonna wait for you to get over your thirstiness and then so you can be calm and then it will talk to you the holy spirit will then come to you and be like okay listen <laughs> let's get something straight so you know the holy spirit and it causes many to compete with other denominations this weird tribalism we have in our human flesh side and we often find ourselves treating denominations like sports teams right and they're like my pastor is better than your pastor and my theology is better than your theology and then the enemy just gets us so distracted with the theological peeing contest that's just how i describe it that they just get so competitive they lose sight of the bigger picture and why we're all here and what we're supposed to be doing with our time right but that used to really weigh heavy on me used to really break my heart and it and I, it left me in a place of confusion and it left me in a place of sadness and i thought you know what this is enemy created satan is the author of confusion what better way to confuse even the children of God than to put them in so many different boxes with so many different titles and so many different belief systems within those boxes that they spend so much time competing with other boxes and competing with those that are in the boxes that they don't focus on what's the bigger picture, right? Being the body of Christ. And that is when this amazing Bible verse this whole section of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 12 to 31. Um, yeah, it was like, oh, so the scripture dating back approximately to 55 to 57 AD authored by Apostle Paul to the church of Corinth has hit home even in 2022. And that is one of the most beautiful things about the Bible. Can, can you give me an amen? It is timeless, and we are the derpy humans who can't seem to get it right yet. We can't seem to get it right yet. So in 1 Corinthians, um, there in 1 Corinthians 12 to 31, I put it in my show notes. That is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 31. That's why I kept getting the dual, the dual 12s, the 12 and the 12s. So I wanted to share it with you. Because when I read it, it made me go, what? Are you kidding me? Solomon was right. There's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> Unity and diversity in one body. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For, one for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, body is not one member, but many. This is also the, the NKJV version. If the foot should say, 
because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. It is therefore not of the body, and of the ear should say, because I am not one eye, I am not of the body. Is it not therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need for you, nor much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow great honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given great honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles and gifts and healings and hopes and administrations and varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. And it is so nice to hear that. It just makes me want to cry now. Again, unhappiness. I swear it's the Holy Spirit. This happens to me. I never cried before I was baptized. I I would always joke and be like, I cry like twice a year. So I'm pretty happy-go-like person. But man, the Holy Spirit gets in you and you get moved and your eyes start watering. I have no control over it. So I absolutely felt so relieved when I read that, that I didn't have to get sucked in to the the enemy's confusion. The little boxes that we all feel like we're in, we're not technically in these little boxes out of, we're all part of the body. Each box is part of the body. Each denomination is part of the body. There's not one better than the other. We're all important to the body of Christ. And you will find though, the problem lies with the flesh. When you have members of the body who want to compete, who want to shame, who want to, you know, belittle and attack others, members of the body, you know where that's coming from because it's not coming from a place of love. They will try to twist the version, the, the meaning of love. They will try to call it, I'm just sharpening iron on iron. No, sharpening iron on iron in the Bible is meant to be a, a, a brotherly thing, a friendly thing. Not just you walking around with your Bible clubbing people on the head, calling it your sharpening iron with iron. No, a sword fight takes two people to agree to the sword fight. You don't just go around chopping off hands and arms and stuff and going, I'm sharpening the blade. No, that's not how it is. But that's how abusers do it. That's how mean people will use the Bible as a weapon. 
Christ does not want the Bible to be used as a weapon. He doesn't want his word to be used as a weapon against the body of Christ. Use it as a weapon against Satan. Okay? So if you're doing that, in my opinion, you are doing the work of the devil. You are using the word that's meant to feed us as a weapon to club the heads of other Christians and non-Christians. Okay? I'm just calling it like it is. So let's move into the subject, what it means to be faith-focused to me. So the name of this podcast is Faith Focused Mom. So I thought it might be a good idea after I introduce myself, give you just a little, you know, 40 feet glance of where I'm coming from, you know, that really doesn't do justice into who I am as a person, but it gives a nice overview of where I come and all that jazz. So, but what it means to me to be faith focused as a mom um, and as a person, for me as a wife and a mother, and most importantly, a child of God, I find it is very important to keep God and my faith in God at the center of my life. And it looks, what that looks like is before I watch something or I listen to something or I follow a thread on the internet or I read an article, I make sure that what I am intaking with my eyes is not going to poison my body, my mind, and my soul. And before I reply to someone or in some instances, choose not to reply to someone. I look at the situation the best I can with a Christian lens. I'll pray to the Lord and say, please let me see them through your eyes. Because if I look at them with my fleshy eyes, I might not like what I see. And then I will really have to guard my mouth. I will really have to try harder. But I have actively been trying to work more with grace, showing more grace to people. And I pray that the Lord helps me look at a situation and look at others with the Lord's eyes because so many times, even in the Bible, Jesus is getting attacked, Jesus is getting insulted, Jesus is getting accosted, and he still held and talked and spoke from a place of grace and forgiveness and forgive them for they know on that what they do, you know, and I believe it was even Stephen when he was being stoned, he even said the same thing. Like, don't punish these people. They're they're dumb. They don't know what they're doing. You know, like they're just so jaded and clouded and blinded by the beast. They have beast lenses on and they don't even see how they're acting. And we shouldn't mirror their bad behavior, but we should pray through it and pray for guidance in it. So I have, I actively do that in my life where I gotta say I didn't do that 20 years ago okay I did not do it (laughs) I didn't know I did not I've always had a strong sense of justice and it never (laughs) it was there was a little wiggle room once you did me dirty I don't retaliate I just walk away because if people don't want to give you the time then dust yourself off and keep moving so um, before I reply to someone or in some instances, like I said, choose not to reply. I look at the situation and I pray over it. And I have to remind myself that I might be the only Christian that they've ever met. Or I ask myself, am I representing Christ in my behavior? And is it glorifying God? Or is it pushing people away with my bad behavior? Because that happens every day. The people... Christ will not hurt a person or push them away from Christ. Christ never pushed a person away from Christ. But the people that surround Christ and follow Christ, they're the ones that will push you away. They will be one of the first ones to push you away. Because we are all 
children of Christ, but at some point we're also not walking the walk. We're just stamping a little um, label on us. We're taking it in, but we're, we're not finding our identity in Christ. We're finding our identity in a label. And that is where you will start to see um, lines of demarcation in, in certain movements where there's people that just label themselves and there's people that you can really see how they're acting and, and that they're actually, there's fruit on that tree, not some dried up figs. So um, before I play a game, I, my family loves playing games. We're, we're a gaming family, whether it be mobile or on our Switches or on our PCs or a board game. We came from the Atari generation and it's always been in my family. So before we play a game or I listen to a podcast or an audiobook and I make sure that I'm not, you know, allowing weeds to be planted in my mind garden. Uh, before I reply to my kids or my husband, I try to make sure even if I'm in, you know, a, a grouchy mood, I just try to make place sure that I'm, I'm going to respond in a place of honesty and love, reminding myself, you know, to, to take away that being faith focused means putting your love and knowledge that we have for our father into every area of our life. You know, use that scripture. Don't just read it and then let it float off into the universe, um, put it in your life, read it, ingest it, and then apply it. And that takes practice. It's not easy for everyone to do. It's not easy to hold yourself accountable. It's not easy to want to be self-aware. It's not easy to, to convict and lean into the conviction. It's not easy, but it's necessary if you want to grow. And um, I think the main takeaway that is, for me of being a faith focused means putting your love and knowledge that we also have for a father in heaven. Um, don't let it stop there. Let it go further and overflow into other areas of your life. And we won't always get it right, but we can always ask for forgiveness and try again and try our best. And being faith-focused for me means that I invite God into every area of my life and I talk to him throughout the day. And even then it feels like I don't do it enough. You know, my husband's so good at praying over his meals and I think it's because I get so trapped of making the meals and I sit down and I'm the last one at the table and I'm the last one. My food's always the coldest, but I got everybody else fed and I love it though. I wouldn't have it any other way. I wasn't, I growing up, I was like, I'm going to be the career woman. I'm going to be independent. I'm going to, I'm going to adopt. I don't want to have kids. And then God was like, well, that's nice, Jennifer, but... I got a better life for you. And I love it. I love it. I love taking care of my husband. I love taking care of my kids. I love, um, I might, you know, get grumbly with my dishwasher that flies forward because it won't stay in the cupboard. And it might irritate me because my dish is going to shoot and trying to shoot across the kitchen floor. That might be irritating. But you know what? I still love it. <laughs> I love that I have a dishwasher. <laughs> Because there's some people that don't mind I have a dishwasher. And, you know, so I think it's all about being happy with God, with, with what God gives you and glorifying him the best you can in those areas of your life. So, 
yeah, that is my goal with this podcast is to help hold myself accountable as well as inspire others possibly to do the same. And we we can inspire each other. And um, I will be covering many topics through a lens focused on my faith sprinkled in with a healthy dose of common sense and my, my own personality, obviously. But I'm going to just talk about whatever I want to talk about, whether it be in the headlines, whether it be in entertainment, whether it be right from my own personal parental experiences, whether it be in my past, you know, whatever I feel led to talk about. And when I feel led to talk about it, that's where I'm going with this. I miss being able to talk about God in a podcast. I had to stop my past one um, because an abusive family member found it and was using it to track me and what I was doing. And I broke my heart that I had to stop recording it. And I have just felt led to get back in the saddle and get it deeper and get it bigger and be louder. (laughs) So that's what I'm doing. So thank you for joining me during this adventure. Thank you so much for joining me for my first introductory episode of Faith Focus Mom Podcast. Please remember as you go forward in your days and your nights that the devil knows you by your name but calls you by your sin. But never forget that our Father in Heaven knows our sin and calls us by your name because he loves you and he will always love you. And you are never too deep or too far out of reach. And whatever the enemy tells you, it's a lie. And whatever the Lord tells you, it is love and it is a truth. Okay? So you have a blessed day. You take care of yourself. And you can find out all the places you can listen to the show. Get the show notes and contact the show at faithfocusmom.com. And would you know it? There's even a Twitter for it at faithfocusmom. I don't know how nobody had that. I had no idea. But I'm there. All right. Bye-bye.